Welcome to the School of Leadership HQ, unscripted conversations with D. Hicks and Donnie Kitigua about tips, tools, and success stories of high-impact leaders across the country. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for joining us today on the podcast. Um, I'm D. Hicks, and I am here with Donnie Kitigua, who is the Executive Vice President of the RMC Group of Companies and uh, SCGI. Tell everybody a little bit, if they've not heard one of our podcasts before, what is your job with us? Hi, everyone. Um, I guess I am an adult daycare <laughs> watcher, keeper. Keeper. That sounds more like a zoo than a Sitter. daycare. It is a bit so, like a zoo sometimes. It is, because people that know us don't really get to see what goes on behind the scenes. They see you up front all poised and everything, and I get to see the real Dr. D. Which is exactly like it is when everyone else sees me, right? Mm, it's exactly like for, Well, for example, um, I'm, wearing a, I'm wearing a red and gray striped beanie today. Yep. And a gray hoodie. Okay. And I'm relaxed, and I am uh, just about ready to break open a bottle of Glenfiddich Single Malt Scotch Whiskey. I'll probably... Half the time on our podcasts, I've got Glenfiddich of some sort, except this is an 18-year-old Glenfiddich, which I have had sitting in here for probably two years. Anyways, I just want everybody to know that I have a red Solo cup, and it is full of clear liquid and ice, and no, it's not gin. <laughs> or it's not vodka. It's not vodka. It's not white rum. Nope, it is water. Wow. Well, like that. You know, somebody's got to be sober in the workplace to make Just, sure to make sure everything usually is. Not you. <laughs> usually, you're not sober. I would never use that word. Not that you have alcohol in your body, but no. you're just not a sober guy. So, anyways, it's not gin, and so here's a riddle for you. Okay, what's the riddle of the day? What rhymes with Tuesday? I don't know. What rhymes with Tuesday? Gin. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'll drink that. Cheers. There you go. What rhymes with Wednesday? Glenfiddich. <laughs> so, getting back to your question, um, my job. So, what's your? Uh, seriously though, what's your job? We're now four minutes into this podcast, and we haven't said anything worthwhile. What is your actual job um, with SC, specifically with SCGI, and then with the other companies as well, but specifically with SCGI? I'm still trying to figure it out. I do an Put array. Put an R in there, actually. Keep the company growing because and we, growing. in the first, uh, you've been around um, full-time <clears throat> with us on this team for uh, nine years. Nine years. Yeah. And uh, and uh, we saw, as a result of your work, a dramatic growth uh, right away. And we've been growing ever since. So that's part of what you do. Don't keep us going. You keep us growing. Yeah. And, you know... It's, I think I've had three promotions or three yep. changes in my job title since yep. I started, started working out for you. as a practice manager. Yep. And the way we organize uh, this research firm, we organize it. Uh, what, what we do with our research is we consult with people. So we look on the outside like a consulting firm, but on the inside like a research firm. But we're organized like a law firm. So figure that one out, which means that there are seg sections within the company that are called practices. And uh, Donnie started off as the practice manager mm -hmm. um, for a specific arena. And that had to do with talent development and recruitment. Mm -hmm. um, and then you went from that, to, and then you were over two practices. And then you went from that, what was the next step? Oh, uh, chief of operations. No, operations director. Oh, director of operations. Right. And then from there, 
chief of operations. Yeah, chief operations officer, COO. Uh, because and as soon as that happened, you did that over more than one company. Then you started spreading your wings, and so it was over. Yep, the group. And then when we signed on as business partners, my title changed to executive vice president mm-hmm. and COO. That's right. Executive Vice President yeah. and Chief Operations Officer over the RMC Group of Companies. And uh, most of you are probably listening to this because you know us through one of those companies, which is called SCGI, the oldest of the companies. Uh, it stands for the Stewart Consulting Group Incorporated. Started that about 30-some years ago. <clears throat> so and let me, for the record, I didn't start 30-some years ago because, you know, as You're you know. 26. Correct. Yeah. In dog years. <laughs> it's called Oil of Delay. Oil of Delay. Yeah. I am Chamorro, which is Guamanian, which is the little tiny island out in the South Pacific Ocean, yeah. mm-hmm. which is actually Guam, which is actually the biggest island out of all the islands. Out of all the Marianas? In, in Micronesia. In Micronesia. Mm-hmm. Is there a Macronesia? I've no. always wondered that. No, there's not Macronesia. So you, so you are of the Ch- of Chamorro descent. Correct. That's why whenever whenever uh, you leave, you always say, see you Chamorro. No. I say that to you. See you Chamorro. Something like that. There was a, um, what was the name of that play where uh, Annie. Oklahoma? No, Annie. No. Chamorro. <laughs> Chamorro. I love you. <laughs> That will not get edited out. That was actually funny. I've never heard you say that before. So actually, I could voice. play Annie because I have, have the red, curly, curly hair. Well, I don't have red hair, but I have curly hair. You know, I could be the tomorrow yeah. version of Annie. You could just put little, little weird eye things on you, like in the cartoon. Yeah, that was a weird cartoon. Comic strips, and I remember watching, uh, reading comic strips when I was a kid on the Sunday. What are, paper. What are those? Yeah. <laughs> It's my favorite part of the paper. And then I would go from, here's here's my world as a kid. I would go from the comic strips to the front page to the want ads. And I would look for cars, trucks, horses, motorcycles in the want ads. And that was about it. So that was your... <clears throat> I might your... do sports if, they, if, if my beloved Minnesota Vikings were playing. I would, I would try to figure them out. I love them. Oh, as I was growing up, they were my favorite team. They were my favorite, favorite team. And then... So that uh, was your version of... And then became of, a man, and now I'm a Seahawks fan. So so that was your version of, like, surfing the internet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was surfing. Yeah, we surfed with our fingers, and we turned we turned the pages on the newspapers. Remember that back in the day? And yeah. I loved the smell and the sound of a newspaper. So... I thought it was really Pinterest, cool. Craigslist... Angie's List. Yeah, yeah. There were Facebook. no lists. Facebook. There were no lists back in the day. YouTube. You know all that stuff's really new. You do know that, right? This stuff in the big course of human history, this stuff is a blip. But information, now that's not a blip. Information, we've always wanted to know what the heck is going on. So, and we don't need to know facts. We just need to think. They need to be fact-ish, close enough. And then we want to spread that information around a lot. So you're talking about new. It's, go- it's gossip is what that's actually called. So, you know, YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook are merging. Oh, they are? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be called you Twitface. <laughs> As of the recording of this podcast, Facebook has decided that it hurts people um, uh, or it makes them unhappy. 
Um, and so they're going to do their algorithms slightly differently so that you don't see you don't see businesses as quickly on your feed. And now you're going to see the people you actually signed up to follow, except mm -hmm. that I don't follow a lot of people. I actually like following businesses. That's kind of I kind of like that. So oh. now I'm going to. What about the new I'm version? I'm on Facebook every day. I'm what on, about the new version of Facebook that. The more we, rude. The, the rude. one that we thought about. Yeah. What is it going to be called? In your Facebook. Right. <laughs> and you can only insult people. Your only only comments could be insults. And there's either, there's either a, thumb down, uh, a thumbs down or a, you're flipping somebody off. That's the icon. <laughs> In your Facebook. I, it'll go really well on and the you East have Coast. To, you have to have that accent. Yeah, when everybody you say, go talk like this. Right. <laughs> it'll go really well back there. I think I think one of our one of the original founders of that should probably be our friend Tim from Albany, New York. He would be oh. one of the great executives of Inya Facebook. He would be awesome. This guy's great. Yeah. If, if you know way, Tim from Albany, he has um, a way of being rude, about. and you don't know he's being rude. He's because he's because he's always got that edge to him, and he's just a warm, wonderful guy. But he's he's kind of got an in your face edge to him, and he's yeah. nothing compared to most people back there. He's no. one of the more civilized humans. <laughs> If you're listening to this and you don't know where we are, we are not back there, um, back in New York, New York. We're not back there. We are actually in the Seattle area. We're west of Seattle, about an hour, straight west of Seattle, over a bunch of water and through the mountains and through the woods to like grandmother's house or something mm -hmm. like that on a peninsula in the state in of Washington. Great Northwest. Mm -hmm. It's a great place. Beautiful. Three days in a row. We're in the middle of winter as we record this podcast and three days in a row. We've had sunshine, so... Uh, and three, surprisingly, three days in a row, Donnie and I have not been traveling anywhere. That'll end tomorrow. But, but we we've have also been all on our motorcycles we three have days in a row. A little bit, a little chilly, uh, a little chilly, uh, a little damp last night, but yeah, nothing, not too bad. A little no, wet, a little cold. Yeah. And for us, cold uh, on a motorcycle, anything you know, I, I'll do forty degrees and above on a motorcycle because when it's forty, then you get into a real shadowy or shaded area. Then, well, shadowy too, yeah, but a shaded area uh, there can be ice, and I just don't want to do ice. Yeah, but you also but, can uh, um, kind of determine it how much colder it actually is. If it's forty degrees, it's probably going to be. It'll feel like feel 12 like, to 15 degrees exactly, colder yeah, right. when you're out riding. So Your bike colder. I've got a big old fairing on the front of my bike. I mean, I'm oh, like riding no. down the street in my living room. It's kind of nice. And you do not have a windshield or a no. fairing on the front of your bike. No. And, and uh, so you feel reality more intensely than I do. <laughs> Mine is deflected reality. I think that's an everyday experience Could here. Be. That might actually be a good name for a blog post. What's that? Deflected reality things we think are true but we just put stuff between us and reality and deflect it just enough that it doesn't bother us you mean like a bug hitting your windshield deflecting and splattering. maybe this glenfiddich might end up if i have a lot of it which i probably won't um would be one of those it'd be a deflector of reality isn't that your first class yeah this is this is my yeah this is my first one it's wow, uh, it's almost empty and we've only it been on this i only poured a shot in the bottom of it oh okay sure. why do you gotta get you're so defensive I'm not defensive <laughs> <laughs> you're defensive <laughs> by the way if you are somebody who who feels that you uh, want to master the art and skill of debate mm -hmm. a little tip for you <laughs> if you find yourself cornered in an argument or a debate just take whatever was just said to you, whatever the last thing that was said to you, and say it back to the person in an accusatory tone. 
<laughs> no matter what it is. It's your turn on the debate, they might say. And you turn to them and say, it's your turn on the debate. No matter what it is, make sure you say it back to them in an accusatory tone with exactly the same words. Well, and you know. It so stuns them. They don't know what to do with it. They just stop talking. I, I have to, I have to, I mean, I, I will never forget this. And I blame your son, Jonathan, on this little uh, comment uh, what do you what did you say it was it it's was, a defensive debate debate tactic i right. think i think it works well he apparently taught my youngest son jess that tactic when he was in high school oh it was high school wow it was a few years back wasn't it, it? either junior high or high might school have been high school it might have been it, like his first year of high school it might have he been he had like six years in high school no he didn't no he okay was, he <laughs> i think he was a freshman you again anyways so i get a call in the middle of the day, Mr. Kittigwall. Mr. Kittigwall, you need to come and pick this up your son. Is the life's principal calling. Yeah. That's exactly what he sounded like. You, I'm going to need to have you come in and pick up your son, Jesse. Okay, he didn't sound so much like that. Kittigwall. So I pick up my son from school and apparently he was, he, he was, he's, he's very smart. And apparently... It's like saying, bless your heart after you criticize somebody. <laughs> bless he, his heart. He answers questions out loud. If, if, the, if the teacher is asking questions, <laughs> he will have the answer and he'll yell it out. He doesn't raise his hand he doesn't in raise classic his hand. style no. and expect to be called right, upon. He right. just blurts it out before the question is over. Right. Before the question's even finished. And, and I get I wonder it. who else in this room, in our little studio here, I wonder who else does that. Hmm. Hmm. Could be You! <laughs> <laughs> and go ahead with your story. So anyways, so I ask him, what, why am I, I had to come all the way home from Tacoma to take you out of, or come pick you up here at school, because apparently you were sent to detention. Mm -hmm. What happened? And he told me that he got in trouble for yelling out answers instead of raising his hand. And the prince or the teacher said to him, you need to go to detention. And Jesse replied, <laughs> You need to go to detention. <laughs> so, w with that response, he bypassed. Oh, this is a, delightful. He bypassed de uh, detention and went directly to the principal's office. Directly to the principal's right. office. Right. So, yeah, I think Jonathan. They didn't beat kids when he was in school, did they? I mean, he's been out for a couple of years. No, he's been out for what six, seven years. Yeah, but you. I mean, he wasn't in Catholic they school, you know, with the, with the when ruler. When I was in school, they just beat you with know? the ruler. Or yeah, they had a big old stick, and and it was called the Board of Education, hanging <laughs> on the vice principal's wall. It was a big old stick. It all. It looked like a half of an oar. <laughs> and it has holes drilled in it so it would create welts on you. And exactly. a leather strap around around the bottom of it so the vice principal could get a good grip and right. it wouldn't slip out of his hand and, you know, break something. But he just beat people with we it. We used to call those things, um, they would leave waffle asses. Waffle ass, yeah. yeah. Or, mm -hmm. or uh, yeah. Uh, Swiss cheese. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah. And he'd tell you how many, not that I ever got that. In fact, one time I was called down to the vice principal's office when I was, I think I was a freshman at this point in time, because I was in close proximity to something. Um, and I remember very, very, very clearly um, him being angry with me for being around something some other kids were doing and saying to me and taking this, this board off the wall and holding it and it's wrapping the strap and saying that he would use that on me. And, 
And uh, I remembered losing my temper, which I did from time to time as a kid. No. Yeah, like four or five times a day. I, I did not have <clears throat> control of my temper like I like I do now. But I, I remember just getting furious with him when he waved that thing in front of me and threatened to use it on me. And, uh, and I said, I will yank that out of your hand and use it on you or something like that. And he was, at that point, about my height. Um, and I'm, I was not huge, but he was not big either. And I remember him looking at me and blinking. And that was the first time I'd ever looked really, really into his eyes. It's a large, it was a large high school, but it's the first time I'd ever looked really into his eyes. And he looked at me and he had these fuzzy eyebrows. And my clearest <laughs> memory of that moment was, your glasses are really dirty. <laughs> <laughs> then I don't remember anything else. I blacked out after that. But so is that where you got the nickname Chuck? Chuck? Yeah. For what? Chuck Norris. Oh no, yeah, Chuck Norris. I don't think he had risen to fame by then. Oh. This was before Chuck Norris. So that reminds me of that where you you threatened your teacher, or was it the teacher or the principal? Vice principal. Vice I, principal. I, it wasn't so much of a threat as a promise. Right, but so that reminds me of how I used to discipline my kids. <laughs> Back in the day, you know, I, I statute only, of limitations of I only run out, so I only disciplined my kids because that's how I was taught as growing grown up as a kid, and mm-hmm. I remember using the belt um, um, on my oldest son Andrew, who, yeah. by the way, is the uh, director of uh, the creative director for Rottweiler Motorcycle Company, RMCO.us. Yeah, and Just in uh, case, go ahead. He use uh, your thumbs. Go ahead. Go there right now and look at the site while you're listening. So he was misbehaving i mean he's he's a grown kid at this time i think he's probably about 11 no he's probably 13 or oh yeah oh wow that's you know he was already different he was already outgrowing me of course that's not a lot to accomplish you're a little guy Oh, you pocket person. <laughs> you pick you up and just swing you around and just stroke your curly hair. <laughs> you're gonna, gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna edit that part out. You think so? Anyway, so I went to go spank him, little fella. I went to go spank him with the belt, and he grabbed the belt like he was Jackie Chan. <laughs> 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 what? He grabbed and it and looked at you, and then he pulled it, and I was like shocked, and I was like almost like the what Oops. was that old time? Uh, what was that old show with uh, uh, Dave Carradine, uh, Kung Fu? Oh, uh, and I said when he did it that, I looked. Time for you to leave. Time for you to leave. When he did that, I was like, oh my god, I cannot use the belt anymore. What was that called? Uh, Kung Fu. It was called Kung Fu, yeah, and the character's it. name was a Chen Kane, mm. and he was about as why, why couldn't they find an Asian man to play that role? And who? they, they, said they found Dave? a guy who was as white as snow. Well, they're David not Carradine. Dark. They're not dark. He, no, he's about as white as you get. But I they mean, he a- is Asians like, he's like have carrier. porcelain type skin. Yeah, but it's his features, his ethnicity. They just didn't have this understanding that there were actually really good actors out who just happened to be Asian who could play that role. How weird is that? I, know. I mean, a lot of folks did that back was in the day. Was Jackie Chan not even available back oh, then? Oh, Jackie Chan was not available. I don't want to fight. <laughs> I don't want to fight. You I need love to, his movies. You have a lot of editing to do. <laughs> some of the stuff <laughs> you're we're doing. We're just going to release this right away. Okay. And it won't be all much right. editing to it at all. So, I mean, let's let's get yeah, going so, here. We, so. we, we've already spent like 40 minutes Maybe. According to this, we spent 22 minutes and 41 seconds. Oh, it just seems so long, yeah. I guess. That's what it's like working for you. 
Uh, so what should we talk about today? What should we talk about in this podcast? How about your drinking problem? Yeah, hey, uh, it's not a problem. <laughs> I'm really good at it. <laughs> if I could light up a cigar, that was my class hitting the, hitting the coaster. Yeah. Right there. If you and could light up way, a cigar, I, like you mean a sixty dollars cigar? Like if I could light up a cigar, should, should know, we inform everybody? Sixty dollars cigars and, and yeah. smoke it while we're having this because what we're inside of this really nice office slash studio in the showroom and all this and so you know i just kind of yeah you'll set the fire alarm off and then we'll get the when we're in different we'll get the bremerton fire department the bfd isn't that funny bremerton is the town that serves this area where we are the fire department that serves the area where we are right now and uh on the back of their uh, fire trucks i just the three letters bfd like how out of touch are you <laughs> how clueless are you to put that on the back we are in bremerton just a bfd b uh, there's bellingham fire department yeah and they're bfd up there too bellevue fire department boston fire department yeah bothell what a weird word burian bothell burian fire department um seattle fire department <laughs> the, the b is silent <laughs> Anyways, let's talk about. Uh, All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, the workplace and okay, um, and different dynamics in the workplace that affect your day to day work. Okay, what is one of the most destructive behaviors that you think makes an organization unhealthy? That's a great question. You know, I, I, I a little while ago we were talking about newspapers and how that was our original way of surfing and uh, and uh, the the craving of the newspaper and all that really was a uh, just a need for information. Information. So I think the motive behind this thing we'll, we'll talk about coming up here is it starts probably okay. It probably starts as a good motive. I want to know what's going on. I want to figure things out. You know, I want information. But then it starts to turn around a little bit. Um, and um, no matter how, how hard we practice not doing this thing, it's it will always remain a challenge because of our uh, our need to know what's going on and also our desire to not experience discomfort. So put those two together. I want to know what's going on. I don't want to be uncomfortable. And that's going to create a behavior that we have seen in really unhealthy organizations. Uh, and I like to call it triangulation. Mm. So I think that, to answer your question, I think that is the single most destructive behavior in any organization. It'll take that organization down big time. So why do you say that? What what, what do you have? I mean, what kind of an example or do you have examples of that? Okay, so triangulation is if I have a problem with you and I don't talk to you about it, I go to somebody else and talk about it. That's triangulation at its, its most basic level. That's what that you is. You mean, but you do that every day here. I actually just stand out in the middle of a crowd and, and just start shouting. So that's not so much triangulation as it is, you know, preaching you know, <laughs> or something like that. Because I've already said it to you a hundred times. And then I say, whatever, and then I go out and say it to somebody else. That's probably the case. But in an organization, seriously, though, when um, uh, jesting aside, when when we get frustrated in an organization because we, you know, we come to work with our with our best intentions, most of us, and try to um, engage with our passions and uh, try to get stuff done and and do so in the easiest possible way. When we um, when we get a little frustrated, the, the natural tendency for us is to not talk directly to the person with whom we're frustrated um, because we haven't taken time to really think through what it is we're frustrated about. So instead, we select someone, and it happens so quickly that we don't probably even understand how we're selecting that person, but we select someone to vent with about the person we're frustrated about. So that's what creates the triangle. 
um, instead of me talking to you, I'd go talk to Biff over here about you. And uh, what that what that does is it is it erodes um, it erodes trust. It reinforces the thoughts that I have about you, um, and it also I also in effect lie to Biff when I talk to him about you. Uh, so it is a it is a really 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 destructive behavior. So so why do you think people triangulate? I mean because most people don't think they're even triangulating, or they don't even know that they are tri- triangulating. I think, and I've done it. Um, I, I think we're I think we get frustrated and. We don't know, first of all, we don't know how to talk directly to the person we're frustrated with. There might be some power differential there of some sort, meaning mm. they have more experience or they are or they are the boss mm. or they have a more powerful personality. Whatever it looks like, there's some sort of power differential. And we do a, a really rapid cost-benefit analysis. It's flawed, but we think it's just not worth it to talk directly to the person. They'll never change. They won't understand or they'll fight back or that it's just not worth it. So our frustration is at a level where we still have to feel like we have to do something about it. So we go to another person to talk. Now we, we lie to ourselves, I think a little bit about, about why we're going to another person. I think I, mm. I would lie to myself a little bit. I trick myself. My main reason is because I just want to feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and the actual reason, the presented reason is, as I might say, uh, I need a wealthy back, you know, <laughs> or I just want to vent or need some perspective. What was Donnie thinking? Or I don't know what to do or that kind of thing. Those are all thinly veiled mm-hmm. justifications for why I triangulate. I triangulate simply because I'm pissed off and I want to feel better. So... I personally don't think that I triangulate or that I have ever triangulated. Um, And I think um, because I am a direct communicator, do you think that is a solution to avoiding triangulation is to use direct communication? I think that is the exact opposite. It is uh, maybe even if you think of it proactively, the antidote to triangulation. And you are correct. You do not triangulate you are a very direct communicator if you have a question even on a low level just have a question you go right to the source i know but sometimes my direct communication can come across as being um aggressive aggressive or abrasive or or real frank and i don't know i so that's and that's another issue that i mean when we communicate directly with people we don't want to communicate directly in such a way that it creates more of a conflict than we need to have conflict is in and of itself not bad but we don't want to we don't want to layer you know a candy coating of of extra drama over the top of it based purely on how we actually communicate with people so direct communication needs to be humble and curious and but it needs to be direct Um, and, and yeah, if, if you communicate or I communicate directly and it's rude or it is, um, uh, perceived as an attack by the other person and mm-hmm. because, because it is an attack, uh, then it just creates extra problems. Mm-hmm. So you want to be able to find that sweet spot. Uh, and you've gotten really quite good at this over the years. I've watched you develop in this, in this regard, um, so that you can communicate directly with people. You don't waste any time. Mm-hmm. You go directly to the person about what you see and what you hear and what you need to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's not as much, uh, there, there's not layers of drama over the top of it or anger or frustration. It's just very direct. Mm-hmm. It can be perceived when we choose to not triangulate instead to go directly to a person to communicate as, as threatening because folks are just not used to it. How does this relate to, I mean, you know, in this day and age we're doing, we're talking technology or emails and stuff like that. You can still triangulate via an email, correct? Uh, if you are... 
if if I am emailing another person about you, mm-hmm. yeah, that's triangulation. Yeah. If I'm texting another person about you, that's triangulation, definitely. So, but you can delete it. You can delete the message. You can't. But that's not the problem. The, the, the fact that the message exists out in the space, in the interdigital webby space, but it has to be discoverable. That strangulation. That there. That the reason. <laughs> <laughs> discovered this. <laughs> that's not what makes it triangulation. <clears throat> what makes it triangulation is that I do it, mm-hmm. um, and when I and do you're it, aware that you're doing it. Well, I think I think most of the time, folks, adults, you know, who've left the sandbox behind and don't wear pull-ups anymore, um, <laughs> I think adults know that this isn't the right thing to do. But it might be such a quiet little voice that they just don't hear it anymore, and it's then they just gallop away with their own frustrations. But what I think I'm doing, what are better yet, what I I convinced myself I'm doing is like those things I mentioned earlier. I'm just I'm getting feedback or perspective or venting and 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 really what I'm actually doing is changing my story just enough about you and then rehearsing it with another person so that it becomes more true than the truth. And we've seen this over and over and over. When we have people triangulating either in one of our organizations or out in ones that we uh, support or own, um, and we see that happen and, I, and, and we stop the triangulation, the way to stop it, of course, how do you stop the current triangulation? I'm not going to stop it because I think I'm just doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. You know? You're not going to stop it because you don't even know what's going on yet. I'm triangulating about you. I go to Biff over here. Biff's the one who has to stop the triangulation. So if you're listening and you're one of these people to whom people go with their gossip, their triangulation, their frustration, their venting about other people, it's on you to stop it. And the, <clears throat> it's hard to do because it's sometimes very interesting to hear. Um, but the way to stop it is to literally interrupt me when I come to you about Donnie or about some other person. Interrupt me. Say, wait, wait, wait. Put your hand up. Wait. Have you talked with him about this directly? And I'll come up with some obfuscation uh, about why and what and when, and I will make a big foggy statement, and then you just interrupt me again. Wait, wait, wait. You need to go talk directly with Donnie about this. What else could we talk about? And change the, to- change the topic. So, Because if you allow me to continue to talk with you, I am going to rehearse what I thought mm-hmm. so that it becomes more and more true every time I say it with emotion and passion, and I will lie. Um, I, I will, I will add it. I will highlight some things and completely leave other things out of the story. That's called lying, right? And it's fiction. I'm giving you a work of fiction that's close enough to reality that you'll believe it. Um, but so the more I say it, the more I believe it. And then the second thing happens is that you, the, that Biff will start to believe it, even a little bit of it. And so it is toxic, toxic, toxic. It's like me coming up to you and saying, I've, I think I've got the flu. And then I sneeze in your face. <laughs> right? Nobody would allow that to happen, but we allow triangulation to happen. It's just like that. So that's interesting that you said um, we have, there. if we allow a person to triangulate, they are in a sense rehearsing. So that is an ingredient to drama. Oh yeah, it is. I think triangulation is probably it, it's probably the way we create drama in the workplace. Drama is a substitute for significance. And so people who are bored and not engaged in something significant or for whom significance is way too painful love drama. And mm-hmm. so we love to create drama and triangulation is how we start to foster an audience. It's like we we have a little traveling show. We're going to go around, we'll triangulate and then triangulate with somebody else and then with somebody else. And we got uh, we've got an audience of three who are paying to to watch this theater. They're paying with their time uh, to watch this theater that's going on. And I whip it up, and then they might have a story. You know, they might be a person from the audience who tosses in a, yeah, well, what about? And then I add that to the story. That's drama. Mm. Destructive. It is. So that, that leads me to another question, um, because you had mentioned that 
you had seen me getting better and better at uh, my direct communication or you observed me. Right. Let's talk about the OIC. As a way of communicating directly. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And by the way, your, uh, um, um, your acronym for OIC is uh, observe, uh-huh. interpret, right, and confirm. And confirm. Just so you know, that is also an acronym for opioid-induced <laughs> constipation. Opioid-induced constipation. Right. That is very true. Yeah. So there's a good OIC and, and there's, there's a, a really <laughs> uncomfortable OIC. <laughs> That's right. And we saw some commercials a couple of years ago start to show up. Now, we've been like, using OIC as a model for years, years and years and years. And I think in its origin or a version of it is not even ours. I think it came from a sociologist back in 1947 or something. When I saw that commercial. And then we adjusted it to make more sense. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Do you suffer from OIC? <laughs> you know, and the guy on the commercial is just looks like warmed over death. <laughs> And he's walking across the screen, you know, with he's just kind of hunched over and walking with his kind of like his heels together. And, and <laughs> just, oh, the poor guy, poor guy. Opioid induced constipation. Oh. I'm sorry if you are currently experiencing that right oh. now. You're not a happy camper. But if you if you take a pain medication after an injury or surgery that is an opioid or a synthetic opioid based in some way uh, opioids and synthetic opioids shut down our digestive system especially the second part of our digestive system so we get oic that's not that's not what we're this. talking about <laughs> it doesn't feel like it it's actually sets you free <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, so the oic um it, it really is a, a shorthand description of how our brain works we observe something and then we interpret what we think that something means and then if we're curious that is if it's outside of our envelope of what we expected if something mm -hmm. doesn't fit our expectations then we search we go on a hunt to find out if there's more of it. That's called confirmation. Observe, interpret, confirm. We observe something, we interpret if it means something, we interpret what it means, and if that interpretation is outside of our expectations, we go on a hunt to find more of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I see you come in one day and you walk by and you don't say hi, and I observe that you don't say hi. And maybe I interpret that you, um, I interpret that you are angry. Oh, he's angry with me for whatever, not texting him or something like that. Mm -hmm. So then my mind goes on a hunt. This is just how our neurology works. This is not psychological. It's neurological first and then psychological second. We go on a hunt to find out, to confirm other examples of you being angry with me for not texting. And we find them, even if we have to go back through the archives to find them. That's a loop we go through, OIC. Or what we can do is use that same mental model, that same tool to approach someone directly and tell them what we have observed. And that's just the specific behavior. Very, very specific. Here's the behavior that I observed. Can you interpret that behavior for me? And then that breaks down that, that C part. You get to confirm it for me. It would sound like this. Hey, Donnie, I noticed you came in and didn't say good morning to me. Could you tell me what that means? And then you would probably say, oh, I was in a hurry. I have a phone call to make, and I was five minutes late. I go, oh, okay, that's what that means. Or it could mean, yeah, I was a little pissed off at you for not texting me. And I go, oh, okay, let's talk about that. Okay, it's that straightforward. But the O is an observed behavior. I'm describing what I have seen. 
on the outside of you and asking you to tell me what's on the inside of you instead of doing that thing myself. And our brains are so fast that we do glue those two together pretty quickly. We glue the O and the I together. I observe you walk in and don't say anything. I interpret it means you're pissed. And so that's what I think. I just just think, oh, Donnie's pissed. Okay. Mm -hmm. Donnie's angry about something. When in fact, all I really saw was the observed behavior. All I really saw was you walk by my office door and down the hallway and not say anything. That's all I have. That's all I have. So that's what I bring to you. I hey, you walk by the office door and say anything. Mm-hmm. See, so like that. So when we are, you uh, know, what would be funny is if I confirmed to you that I had OIC. <laughs> <laughs> the bad OIC. I mean, I have OIC. <sighs> I'd like to do an OIC with you. That's because I have OIC. <laughs> That's funny to me. I wonder, that's kind of like typing Google into Google. Google. I wonder if the world would end if you did that. No, it really doesn't. You need to stop telling people that because I think you kind of frighten a few people when you do say that. (laughs) 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 What what will happen if you type in Google Google into into Google? Google. The world will explode. explode. That's true. I have said that to people before. You can tell the technological Luddites, their (laughs) eyes get really big and they slowly push their phone away from them. That's a great word. Yeah. Luddites. (laughs) They're such Luddites. Reading words on the pages of the devil (laughs) (laughs) that's a luddite (laughs) oh Oh, fun times so that's how those two go together yeah that um the the idea that is uh, that when i'm frustrated of course we're going to be frustrated got a bunch of people who care and throw them all together we just don't all care about the same things at the same time so we're going to get frustrated and some of us just get more frustrated more quickly than others who cares can you you give me an example of how our brains work so fast that most everyone skips the observed part of it and and automatically interprets what another person's behavior is sure early in life we uh i mean by that in our first few years of life we are are observing mechanisms so we are our our brain is is so malleable it still is as as we are adults it's still very 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 malleable it's not like uh, the idea you can't teach an old dog new tricks it's oh that's dumb of course you can Jeez, have you ever tried got a hot dog i'll teach that dog uh, anyway, so our brains are malleable throughout our lives, but especially malleable in, in, uh, when we are young. And when we are young, our brains are mostly in the O stage, the observe stage. Observe, observe. So we get really good at it. You know, a little kid will say, you got a haircut, right? Like that. Okay, <laughs> like that. Or you're fat. Or you stink. Or, you know, ooh, pretty. Or that, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> that story will never make it into iPoddom. It won't. I podum. I podum. There's a large kingdom uh, now out there called. If I y'all want to know what it is, feel free to email. Email me. Donnie at dhicks.com. <laughs> I intercept all of his emails <laughs> and add my own. Uh, no, I changed your rights. Just so you know, you don't have any my more right. rights. I ain't got no more rights. You That's got a deal. no more rights. Hey, if you're one, if you're a leader in an organization right now, and you have an executive vice president, you realize what you have just done. <laughs> You realize you have given your life away to someone who will tell you what to do for the rest of your effing life. Oh. It's wonderful. It's just wonderful. I mean, I can think deeply about a few things, but as soon as I step into little things like how I'm going to use my time, like touch my calendar or something like that, he will just show up somewhere with a taser and get me in the back of the neck. <laughs> what were we talking about? 
Oh, uh, how people quickly interpret things. That's right. So early stage in life, we are an, uh, our brain is an O brain, and then our brain <clears throat> moves to an I brain fairly quickly. Uh, I'm, you know, it depends on uh, depends on the child and the environment they're in and then what their parents are like. But we try to teach kids fairly early what things mean uh, by helping them to do time travel. That is, imagine this thing continuing for an hour. Imagine whatever you're doing now, the impact of it later. It's called consequences. And so we try to teach kids that. That's also uh, click uh, quickly connected to the idea of interpretation that's the i in the o i c model so our brains shift to becoming interpretive machines so to speak mm. we're not machines but you get my idea mm-hmm. and uh so we get really 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 good at interpreting um and we actually stop observing um one of the more challenging things of life as an adult is to is to slow down enough to just notice what's going on around you i mean even notice your own body even notice when your own heart rate goes up and down notice when you've simple things like whether you have energy or not whether you're awake or not whether you are feeling anxious or not or feeling happy or not just notice that stuff we're not so good at that as adults as we used to be as children so so but we're we're very very good at taking two or three data points and filling in the gaps um, and when we do that, we, uh, we're really, really sure of what we've seen. And uh, most of the time we do that because our brain is just, uh, it's a survival mechanism. And it, what it needs to do is to, is to interpret the world around it um, close enough to reality so it can get by. That way, that way we get really, really, really good at interpreting. I only need one or two data points from you to come, come up with an interpretation that's close enough to reality for me to function. Hmm. It doesn't have to actually be reality. And then couple that with the fact that sometimes reality is an unpleasant thing. And so we prefer to interpret reality differently. We get short shorthand is we get really, really, really good at interpreting reality and good as defined as close enough so that we are able to survive. Um, and uh, it's fascinating. We'll save that for another for another podcast where we talk about the three systems in the human brain, the survival system and the habit system and the goal system. But this, the survival system causes us to, for this point in our conversation, get really, really good at the I in the OIC. Mm-hmm. And then the C part of our brain is the curious part. It's the, I got to confirm that if there's something that bothers us, our brain will quickly go looking for patterns that are, that are like that and reinforce those patterns. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. There yeah. we have it. So that looks like that's a, a good 45 minutes of of just jabbering, jabbering on and jabbering on and jabbering on. And now I have come to the bottom of my Glenfiddich drink. Yep. The ice has melted. I had a little bit of ice in there because I'm a, I'm a fan of scotch with just a just a little bit of ice, not much, like a block or two, a little chunk or two of ice. And you're close to the bottom of your yeah, solo and cup I think of I'm water. Gonna, I think I'll refill it with gin and tonic. Gin and tonic. So what's your favorite gin? My favorite gin is Uncle Val's Botanical. Uncle Val's Botanical. If I'm correct, that's from a distillery in Bend, Oregon, where a fan, where a friend Lynn lives. Oh, she yeah. doesn't live at the distillery, but well, man, I would if I lived there. <laughs> that is Uncle well, Val's. We don't know that botanical. She is a pretty happy person. She is. She's always happy. Pretty happy. Very easygoing. Very laid back. Very well. She's intense internally, but calm externally. Exactly. She's like a duck. She's put together. She's a duck. She's put together, though. But I, I'm sure she's a Scotch person. She's like a Laphroaig. Yeah, but or she... Or a Lagavulin. I but she probably she leads us on to believe that she is. But when she's living in Bend, Oregon at the distillery... At Uncle Val's, Uncle distillery, Val's distillery. She probably likes the gin. She probably does. Just remember. Gin, gin makes, makes you sin. sin. <laughs> <laughs> and what rides with Tuesday? 
Gin. Gin. Okay. Anyway, no gin was consumed. Okay, well, I'm going to head out of here. Hey, thanks for this conversation. Hey, thank you very much for joining us. I know this was 45 minutes of your life. You'll never get back. Maybe you were <laughs> mowing the lawn or vacuuming or rolling your eyes or driving or something like that. But hey, uh, you got ideas? You got something you'd like to hear us talk about? Um, you'd like to hear us uh, uh, talk about some of the research we've done or you're curious about how specific problems can be solved in the organization you might be a part of? Uh, drop Donnie an email. And that is Donnie, D-O-N-N-I-E, at dhicks.com. And that's D-E-H-I-C-K-S dot com. That's his email. Drop it there. And it's because Donnie. It's Donnie with one E. Donnie with one E. It looks like <laughs> D is with one E. Mess with people along that. People can't get my we first name. We have other name. stories to they tell. They just can't get my we first can't, name. We can't get it right. They can't get your name they right. Can't they can't get, get my, my name right. Just can't. We'll have a... Well, let's talk about that on one of our podcasts. We will. That's, that's just that's, fun. That's fun. It's just such, such fun stuff. Okay. Ah, what a deal. So that's how it is. Um, I'm not sure how you're consuming this podcast. If you see it on our website and there's a place for a comment, um, keep your comments to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> see you later, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Thanks for listening to HQ from the School of Leadership. For more, check out dhicks.com. That's D-E-H-I-C-K-S.com where you'll find other podcasts, resources, and books to help you on your way. Have a great day.